Good morning. Good morning. Let's pray if we can. Father, I thank you so much um, for your love for us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the way your spirit moves through this place. God, I thank you for everybody that's, uh, that's here at watching online. Lord, I thank you for the community, uh, the faith community that we all get to be a part of. Lord, uh, for, the, for the kingdom of God um, that, that we all get to be a part of, Lord, and that, and that you love us so much. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word now, I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray that you would open our minds. I pray that your spirit would continue to move. Uh, Lord, that we could be honest with ourselves about where we are in, uh, in the area in which we're going to dive into today. God, I pray that you would just um, give favor to the reading of your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about a subject that we're all familiar with, um, and it is failure, the subject of failure. Uh, this is something that doesn't affect most of us. It affects all of us. This is something that all of us can, uh, I guess, understand because all of us have been through some aspect uh, of failure. We all fail, period. Um, and how we deal with that and how God says we should deal with that sometimes are two different things. Uh, I know failure is a big part of my story and failure is more than likely a big part of your story as well. Uh, in, in a manner of speaking, and in a lot of ways, I could even go as far as to say that I am here where I'm at literally right now in this moment as a result of failure. Um, what I have learned as a result of failure is invaluable. What God has shown me through it is humbling and incredible and in a lot of ways. And I'm sure if you really think through the things that have gone on in your life that have brought you to where you are now, I would be willing to bet that failure is a part of your story. Let me read a quote to you from someone, and you may be surprised who it is after I read it. Here's the quote. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. He's kept more track of his failures than he has of his successes in a lot of ways. And he's learned from it. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the idea of failing forward and what that means for us as believers and how we can fail forward in life and through understanding, I'm going to use a big churchy word here for a second, the idea of sanctification, which really means uh, growing in your faith and walking in your faith forward. Sanctification is, is growing in our understanding of our faith and to really acknowledge our brokenness and how we can forgive others and we can learn to grow from our failure. And the idea of, of failing forward really means that we learn from our mistakes and we improve and eventually succeed more than we fail. And while that idea seems really basic and it's something that I think we've all, even you know, as parents or, or, or as kids, have either tried to instill that in, into someone or have had someone say something along those lines to us, when it comes to that idea spiritually, stumbling blocks can actually become stepping stones. 
And that is uh, something that makes sense in a, you know, a lot of different aspects of life, but, but how does that make sense in regards to what the Bible says? That's what we're gonna look at. How is it different spiritually? Let me ask you this question. What is your spiritual direction right now? It may not be a question you've asked yourself. It may not be something that you've even thought through in your life. And maybe you have, but you didn't ask it that way. But really think about that. What is your spiritual direction? Because you have a spiritual direction, one way or the other. You're not stagnant. You're always moving. Sometimes you may feel stagnant, but based on what the Word of God says, if you're stagnant, you're really moving backwards. So what is your spiritual direction? For Christians, the subject of, of failure deals with sin, it deals with salvation, holiness, ethics, and what the Christian life really looks like. And so is the Christian life just one constant failure? Is that really what it is? Are we just helpless sinners who never make progress? Aren't we supposed to be perfect all the time, right? Are, or does it, does it feel like we're maybe just taking one step forward and then one step back and one step forward and one step back and then you do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around? <laughs> but it can feel like that in life sometimes, can it? It really can. When, when, we, when we weigh the sin in our life in the wrong way, it can feel that way. See, we're not just saved from something, which we are, but we're also saved for something. That's a lot of what the sanctification process the growth in our faith is for. So, newsflash for you, real quick. Christians fail. Right? I just blew your mind. You had no idea about that. Um, we, we fail. Christians fail. But aren't we supposed to have it all together? Right? As Christians, we're, we're supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to walk in here on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever night that is or when our life group meets or whatever. We're supposed to walk in like we don't mess up, like we can't mess up because if we do, it's the worst because following Jesus means that you have it all together all the time. Unfortunately, that's what I think a lot of people think and as believers, we sometimes feel, and we don't say it out loud, but we feel like that's what we have to portray that we have to put that on when we put on our, our, our Christian clothes. How's that? Here's the problem. We shouldn't just be putting on Christian clothes at different times of the week or different times of the day. It should be who we are, not what we do. And so it's a good thing that we never hear in the public about Christians failing it's a good thing it's never in the spotlight or on social media or on, you know, documentaries on Hulu. It's, you know, good thing. This is the problem, though. This is the problem because generally when that happens and when we see believers fail, they don't fail forward. They just fall hard, especially when it's in the public spotlight. And a big part of dealing with failure spiritually for us is understanding our relationship to sin because I don't believe we understand it the right way all of the time. So I want to start there today. I want to start with understanding our relationship to sin. And we're only going to look at a few verses, but this is something that we all have and this is something that we all do. Everyone in here, if you're breathing and you can hear me, you sin and you struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. We all do. And so we need to understand the biblical perspective on where we are with that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. 
And that's really where we're going to live most of the day. Uh, Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to look at a couple of verses. And as Paul kind of peels back the layers of our understanding of sin, you're going to see, I think, some different perspectives and where maybe you have found yourself and didn't even realize it. As he not only peels back some layers on it, but then gives us a plan moving forward. So while this may be challenging right at first, I believe this is going to be encouraging by the time it's all said and done. So we're going to be starting in verse 12 in Romans chapter 6. And I want to just look at, at 12 and 13 right now. Paul says this, Do not let sin control the way you live. We could stop right there, and that's enough. That's enough of a challenge. But we keep going. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Use your whole body to do what is right for the glory of God. See, a lot of Christians were like this. Jesus sets us free from sin, and maybe we understand that from a legal perspective, if you want to look at it that way. And, and we hear this idea that we're set free from sin. And then we try to walk this out, but we don't. We, we, we mess up and, and we keep giving in to our appetite to sin. And we equate that to failure. And we get then discouraged and defeated and imprisoned. And instead, what we do is we justify sin to ourselves because instead of actually allowing the Holy Spirit to help us and, and to move forward and to see it the right way, instead we just go, well, I guess that's a complete failure in my life. I guess I'm never going to defeat that in my life. And instead, we justify that and go, well, I'll just let that live here. And we justify sin to ourselves and talk ourselves through that instead of actually approaching it the way that Jesus says we should approach it, a way that scripture says we, we should approach it. And so we just quit trying. We quit trying and we allow ourselves to stay imprisoned. See, we can be set free yet still imprisoned. We can be set free yet still imprisoned. A person can be officially set free yet still imprisoned. If you think about uh, people, and, and I'm sure you've seen like documentaries or heard things about this, where people who have been in prison for say 20, 25 years, they get released from prison and they don't know how to act. They don't understand how to live free because they haven't been for so long, for so many years. They don't know what it's like to be set free. And so they just act like a prisoner because they don't know any better. The habits of freedom are not ingrained in their life yet. And that's what happens to us. Instead of focusing on not making mistakes, maybe we should build habits of freedom because the problem is we act like prisoners. Instead of walking out our freedom and building habits of freedom, we act like prisoners who are just trying to not make mistakes instead of building habits of freedom. So let me ask you this question. Are you building habits of freedom? Are you building the habits of freedom? And you're like, that sounds great. How? How do we do that? Well, Paul's actually showing us how to build habits of freedom in the Christian life through this passage here. And I'm gonna give you one big, one big takeaway for this in terms of building, and, and there are others, 
But one big takeaway from this that he talks about, he says, see your whole body as an instrument. Did you catch that part in the, in the verses we read? See your whole body as an instrument. And so instrument, the word instrument, remember the Bible isn't written in English. And so for this particular uh, part here, a better translation could actually be the word weapon as opposed to instrument, especially because, let's be honest, church, this is a battle, right? The battle of sin, it's a battle, and we don't give it its, its due enough. I don't think we look at it as a battle enough. We just look at it as something we tolerate and deal with or whatever. And yeah, I'll look at it a little bit on Sundays, I suppose, or when I'm in, in my Bible study. But you know what? Sin is a constant, constant battle. Right here, right now, where you're sitting, what you're doing, you are still battling sin right now. We're always battling sin. So maybe we should see our body as a weapon. See your body as a weapon. And here's what I mean by that. All the parts of our body, which include our mind, which include our words, which we talked about for a few weeks, they're all weapons in the battle for right living, for righteous living. And when, when we give our body over to righteousness, then it's a weapon for good. And when we don't, when we give over, when we give our body over to sin, it is a weapon for evil. And if we see our body in that way, in a godly way, then we're positioning ourselves to make better choices. But if we don't even acknowledge this, you know, it's the little things that end up adding up to righteousness, right? It's, it's, it's the little things. It's not always the big things. It's the little things that we do during the week or during the day. It's those last little bits. It's what I like to call the last 5%. Anybody who's ever been on my creative team has heard me say that a bunch of times. It's always the last 5% that makes the biggest difference between something that's just okay and like really excellent and professional because that last 5% is always the hardest to get right. If you've done any kind of project or anything like that, you know what I'm talking about. And the project of ourselves and growing in our faith, boy, sometimes that last 5% makes all the difference in the world. And sometimes that's the little stuff. In fact, most of the time, it's the little stuff that you look over. And those little things can add up to a big, big difference in our life. So then, here's the truth about your weapon and your sin. Let's look at the next verse, verse 14. It says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You live under the freedom of God's grace. Like, we can read this verse, but like, let's be honest here for a second. This is a promise. This is a promise as believers we can claim from God's word. This is, this is an exciting promise, right? Sin is not my master. Repeat that after me. One, two, three. Sin is not my master. Say it like you mean it. One, two, three. Sin is not my master. Not today, Satan, right? I mean, like, we can, like, chuckle about that a little bit, but this is claiming the promise of God's word. We are set free by the blood of Jesus, and we don't claim that enough. And we need to. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that we're not going to sin? No, of course not. <laughs> if you think that's where I'm going with this, you're nuts. It doesn't mean that once you're saved, you're never going to sin again. We will. We're going to mess up. Habits are tough to break, and we all have the habit of sin. Raise your hand if you have the sin habit. If your hand's not up, you're lying. 
right? We all, we all have the sin habit. We all have that problem. And we might be free from sin, you know, biblically and, and all of that, but we're still going to sin because we're still gonna mess up. We are still people. We are still messy. And a lot of us are still a mess, even claiming this promise. But there is hope in Jesus because he's walking there with us. He's walking through that messy walk and he loves us anyway. But a believer, we are not a slave to sin. And, and we don't have to continue in a lifestyle that is bound to sinning. That is the difference. That is the difference. Pushing back against the lifestyle that binds us to sin. And we all have different aspects of our life that do that. But, but if we're walking in a lifestyle that is, that is chaining us up to sin, then we're going to continue to be chained back by sin. And so let's dig that out just a little bit more as we keep reading. Verses 15 and 16. Paul says this, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Look at that. You become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. See, we all have free will. We all have the choice as to what we're going to lean into or not. And there is this tension between sin and holiness. And I think we need to just acknowledge it right now. There is a tension there between sin and holiness. Sin pulls you away from holiness, right? And then holiness pulls you away from sin. And there's this constant tension of us living between the two. It's a constant battle. And whatever you submit to is going to become your master. Whatever you submit to is going to become your master. You know, one of my favorite shows from uh, a few years back is a show called 24. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can I get an amen? But um, no, the, so the premise of the show, if you never watched it, uh, the main character's name is Jack Bauer, and he works uh, for um, a government agency that they made up called CTU, which stands for Counter-Terrorist Unit. And he's kind of fighting against uh, terrorists and um, there's always some catastrophic event that's gonna happen within 24 hours and, and all of that and he's gotta stop it. And uh, every episode is in real time. So like the first episode takes place over the course of an hour. It's a really cool premise um, that was really good for four seasons. And then there were a few more that shouldn't have happened, but that's not the point. There's a quote from the show um, that's from the very first episode, from the very first season, um, that I've never forgotten because it really stuck with me in regards to some, I guess, just some, some other areas in, in my life as well, but really this area of, of sin. And, and so I want to read you this quote, and I want you to really kind of hear the idea behind it um, in this. And so Jack is talking to another character, character named Nina, and he, Jack was, the, uh, was like the whistleblower on some people who had, um, who had conspired against the government and, and they were kind of doing some things and, and, you know, they were like moles in the system and Jack caught them and blew the whistle on them. And so then a lot of the people within the agency were mad at him. And so here's what he said to Nina. And listen to this. He says, Nina, you can look the other way once and it's no big deal except it makes it easier for you to compromise the next time. And pretty soon, 
That's all you're doing is compromising because that's how you think things are done. You know the guys I blew the whistle on? You think they were bad guys? Because they weren't. They weren't bad guys. They were just like you and me, except they compromised once. Now that quote, in many ways, is the essence of Jack Bauer's character right there. And I kind of took that idea because it really stuck with me for whatever reason. And I, and I rephrased it into a leadership principle that I've really done my best to adopt for myself. But it's also a, a biblical idea too that you could kind of draw out from this passage very well. And it, and, it, and it says this, your first compromise becomes your new standard. Think about that in your life. Your first compromise becomes your new standard. Jack never compromised, <laughs> no matter who was asking him to do what, no matter who was uh, threatening him or torturing him or whatever. He did what it took to get the job done no matter what because the mission was more important than his popularity. He didn't care if people liked him or his decision because lives were at stake and the safety of and security of our country was at stake. And it sounds a lot like how you and I should act when it comes to the habit of sin in our life and the mission that Jesus gave us. And that mission is much more important because eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. And so I, I feel like we need to own this idea a lot more of your first compromise becomes your new standard when it comes to us spiritually. But, but even even how we lead as, as people, as followers of Christ in the areas that we're in, as, as leaders in our homes, as leaders at work, as leaders at school, wherever we are, as followers of Jesus, standing up to your sin, that takes character, that takes leadership, and that matters. That matters. Real leaders aren't always popular because good leaders do what's right, not what's popular. Think about that. Good leaders do what's right, not what's popular. We are not obligated to serve sin, but we compromise. We all do. I do. You do. We're not bad guys, but we compromise. We struggle here, but we are set free from the obligation to serve sin, and we need to lean into that a little bit more, meaning our standard is Jesus. And that leads to right living. And when we fail forward, we fail forward towards Jesus as we walk out and live our lives in him and through him. Romans 6 actually deals with a question that Paul asks twice. He starts from the, from the very beginning of the chapter that talks about failing forward in many ways. And it's actually the first verse of the chapter. I want to go back to the, just the first verse in the chapter, the first two. And he says, that's how he starts the chapter. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? We're just going to allow God to be God, right? I'm just going to, you know, he's not going to have anything to do if I don't sin. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? This is such a great rhetorical question to begin with. God's grace and forgiveness do not give us, look at me, God's grace and forgiveness do not give us a license to sin. <laughs> that is not what this is. 
God does care about our moral character. He cares a great deal. He defined what moral character means. There would be no morals or ethics if it weren't for the word of God. That's where those come from. The text does not say that sin dies to the believer. I want you to notice that too. It doesn't say that sin dies to the believer. It says that the believer has died to sin. It's the believer who has died to sin. Let's keep going here. Verse 17 through 18. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. See, that's the goal. That's the goal right there to become a slave to righteous living. But it doesn't mean that we're gonna get it right all the time. We're not gonna get it right all the time. We know we won't get it right all the time. But as believers, we know that anyone can fall into sin. Nobody is immune from falling into sin. Nobody is immune from, from making a mistake that maybe takes us down a path that we shouldn't have gone, but that doesn't mean that we are habitually bound to sin. It doesn't mean that we have to compromise all the time because we don't. See, anyone can fall, but no believer is chained. Anyone can fall, but no believer is chained. We're all going to fall. We're all going to make mistakes, but we don't have to be chained to that mistakes. And Jesus isn't chaining you to that mistake either. Remember that only the gospel breaks the chains. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're still chained to sin. That's the truth of it. And as believers, too many times, as I've already said, we continue to act like prisoners. But we're not chained anymore. The gospel breaks chains, eliminates death, and brings life and eternity to everyone who believes. In a world where Paul, he knew and lived in a world of sin and scandal and betrayal. Doesn't sound too different from the world we live in right now, right? He was ecstatic to be a preacher and a teacher and an apostle of Jesus Christ to share the message of freedom because he knew deep down, he really knew what this meant. And to share that was an exciting thing because too many people were bound to their sin and chained up by their sin and too many of us are as well. And the excitement and, and the the idea of this, I don't feel like we own enough. We don't really look into it enough. It doesn't excite us enough. We don't get into the power of God and allow the power of God to, to bring freedom in our life enough. We just sit in it and continue to act like a prisoner and justify our sin. And we don't allow ourselves or allow the Holy Spirit to break us free in the way that he can. We hold ourselves to, we, we, we hold ourselves to this high standard that God never holds us to. Because here's the deal. The standard is perfection. And you've already blown that. So stop trying to hold yourself to that standard. Because you're never going to meet it. You've already messed that up. So let's walk in freedom. Let's look at what it says in Titus chapter 2. Look at this. For the grace of God has been revealed. Bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. 
We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. This is what we celebrated last week. It's what we celebrate every Sunday. That he gave his life to set us free. Only the grace of God can train us up for godliness. Only the grace of God can keep us faithful to the end because on our own, we're gonna mess that up. Only the grace of God can bring us to a place of repentance. And only the grace of God will allow us to fail forward. What I'm not saying, what the Bible's not saying is that we're not gonna fail. We're gonna fail. How do we fail? Are we gonna fail forward? Or are we gonna continue to remain bound to our sin? Because we are not bound to sin. We can learn from our mistakes and we can walk in our new life with Jesus Christ. So the connection point for the morning is this. Fail forward. Sin is not my master. Sin is not your master. So fail forward. You're gonna sin, but it will not be the master over you. To fail forward means that we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our mistakes. Christians, we can fail forward by knowing that sin is no longer our master and we can fall into the arms of Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Have you compromised? Of course you have. We all have. But because of the grace of God, we don't have to be chained to that mistake. And let me tell you where you probably have compromised more. You've compromised in holding on to that sin. You've compromised in, in holding on to the fact that you think God is just coming down on you like this instead of realizing that he's already forgiven you and he's already given you grace for it. We can fail forward into the arms of Jesus and you can walk in freedom and you can realize that you are forgiven. You can see your body as a weapon and that is to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and to set you free from the chains of sin and for you to walk in the newness of life in Jesus today because every day we can walk in the newness of life because he is continually making us into a new creation every day. That doesn't stop at the moment of salvation. In fact, it just begins. And that is what it means to fail forward. It's not a mindset. I'm not just talking about a mindset. It's a realization of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to look at the sin that is holding you back and to say, sin is not my master. Jesus is my master. Amen? Will you bow your heads with me? I believe that there is some of us here, there are some of us watching online who have allowed sin to be our master more than we should have. We've allowed the, the chains to weigh us down. We've allowed the the things that we've compromised on 
to hold us back. And instead of allowing Jesus to move us forward, instead of falling into his arms and falling forward, we've instead just taken a step back and said, well, I guess this is where I'm going to live. But you don't have to live there. You can, you can be set free by, by the power of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted him with your life and you still feel like you're, you're walking around as a prisoner, let me just encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to move in your life and to, and to really open your eyes to the freedom that you have. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, because maybe you think you're, you're not good enough, you've done this, you've done that, these, these chains of, of sin and, and things in your life have, have been holding you back, let me tell you that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He wants to free you. He wants to make you a new creation and to let you walk in freedom today. If you need to talk about that, if you want to pray about that, if you want to know more about what it means to really give your life to Jesus, I can't encourage you enough to, to come find me after the service or, or talk to somebody in an orange lanyard. If you're watching online, you could say something in the chat. We'd love to talk with you there as well. Or even just reach out to us one day here this week at the church. Father, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your love for us no matter what. I thank you for the grace that we take for granted. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that breaks us free from the chains of sin. And God, I, I pray that we would all take advantage of that more. Lord, that we would see our body as a weapon and that we would use that weapon to battle against the enemy who's constantly trying to pull us the other way. Lord, this battle for sin and holiness, the tension in between there, it's something we're gonna deal with for the rest of our lives here on earth. But Lord, we don't have to walk through it alone. Lord, you are pulling us closer to you if we will just allow you to. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that have not, they've not given their life to you, God, there is no better time than right now. I pray that your spirit would continue to move. Lord, help all of us to take this challenge seriously, to, to make this declaration that sin is not our master because Jesus is our master. We love you. We praise you in your name. Amen.